Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Uh, joining me today is Katie Baca-Motes, the Chief Strategy Officer in cl of Clinical Trials and Engagement for Care Evolution, and also the co-founder of Scripps Digital Trial Center. Katie, how are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you on today. Let's dive right in. Tell the audience a little bit about your background. All right. So um, I've been actually in clinical research uh, for about eight, nine years. Prior to that, I was doing applied behavioral science work, uh, working at places like Disney Research, um, looking at large scale consumer health uh, behavior stuff. And I decided, you know, what better place to look at behavior than health? So I've been in digital health and decentralization of trials with Scripps Research, which is an academic research organization for about um, eight, nine years working under Dr. Eric Topol's group. And I also, through that, I got introduced to Care Evolution, which runs a lot of our technology backend for our decentralized clinical trials and also integration of wearable device data and other data layers. So I sit between the two organizations now. And when people are hearing that, Katie, they're saying, how does she do it all? So like, how, how are you managing to... Uh, to be involved on these two uh, these two awesome opportunities um, and and <laughs> and get everything done. Yeah, well, it's great because they really complement the two. So the academic side and the research side is at Scripps Research, where we can partner with a lot of organizations on really forward thinking research. And Care Evolution is really kind of the the master tech. Um, infrastructure behind it all. So it's it enables us to collect data in a secure manner. It enables us to collect data layers out in the real world that would have been impossible probably five, 10 years ago. So it's really complementary um, and it enables me to see kind of the technology side as well as the research side. So I was a customer of Care Evolution before I was an employee. I, I, more than a customer, I was a big fan, I think. And so it was like, exciting for me to join the organization after working with them for several years. Well, that kind of leads into what I was going to ask you about how did they, they get you to join the team? But I mean, that, that pretty much says it all, right? You were a big fan and the opportunity came up. and I think uh, yeah. I begged them. Yeah. <laughs> First, I, I, I got them to do this joint venture, which is Scripps Research Digital Trial Center. I said, you guys have all the capabilities we've been looking for for all of our our trials and we'd really like to work with you to accelerate that work and um yeah so it was just a natural progression to be able to work across both teams now with with the work that you're doing what have what has been some of the biggest challenges and then what have been some of the most exciting uh, parts of that work yeah, so I'd say when we started this out um, many, many years ago, I, I had the opportunity to work with Dr. Eric uh, Topol and team, uh, Dr. Steve Steinhubel as well, on one of the very first direct-to-participant clinical trials. And looking back, it was a very simple design, but it was novel at the time. You know, we hadn't gone direct to patients outside of the clinician office. We hadn't returned results to people. We hadn't delivered technology to people's homes. We hadn't recruited via email. Now all of that is pretty standard practice. And so, but it was challenging along the way, every step where we got more and more robust with our clinical trials. And now we're doing things like having people draw their own blood and spit in a tube and take a stool sample and slap on a continuous glucose monitor in the home. And we're returning real-time information back to participants during trials. So each of those steps comes with challenges, both technology challenges, regulatory challenges, 
behavioral challenges, which I'm super interested in. How do you motivate and incentivize people to do um, clinical trial protocols um, without a clinician walking them through or a study coordinator walking them through? So all of that's been challenging, but we've seen a steady progression over the last decade. And I'm glad you you mentioned to the decentralized trials. Like what what are some of the advances that you're you're starting to see in this space? Yeah, so we had um, a huge acceleration in decentralization and the capabilities around the COVID pandemic, really because it was something that was necessitated by the pandemic. People couldn't leave their homes, they couldn't go to the doctor's office, and we didn't want to shut down research. So a lot of the step, a lot of the acceleration we saw was over the last several years. But our team and several others have been working on it for many, many years. Um, we at Scripps Research run the Participant Center, which is um, also enabled by the Care Evolution backend for um, all of the recruitment and engagement that comes outside of the traditional academic medical center. So really Scripps and Care Evolution came together to enable a platform that would allow for full protocol um, uh, and allow people to really do the entire protocol any, anywhere um, living in the country. So. That was one of the things that we had already worked on. Um, and now that we have those capabilities, we're seeing that type of work pop up in many trials, um, mostly in the US right now, but also increasingly globally, which is why I'm in Germany now, um, <laughs> looking at um, some of our European-based partnerships and projects as well. Aren't you glad I didn't make an awful joke for us to do this interview in, in German. That would have been... <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> My German is not quite good enough to do an interview in German yet, but I'm trying. It's better than the maybe one or two words I know. So, um, <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll it, keep it in English this time. Maybe next that, my, time. My, my doubles partner uh, in college was uh, for, for tennis was actually from Germany. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. He used to always tell me when learning the English language, uh, you really knew you were starting to grasp it once you were dreaming in that ah. language, um, which was always, uh, that always uh, stood with me. Um, anyway, we'll go back to the, <laughs> the conversation. I'm not dreaming in German yet, but my kids are. So I, I believe it like that, you know, once you start becoming fluent, you, you start dreaming in the language. What a wild, that must be so wild though, from to like go from dreaming in one language to another. Um, that's so yeah. cool that they're, they're doing that. Um, when you and I were talking before this episode, Katie, uh, we were talking a little bit about wearables and you were saying, you know, you have your Fitbit and your Aura Ring. Uh, mm -hmm. talk, talk me through the, the data around that um, and like what that real world data capture ends up doing, why you're so excited about it, because um, I know you've been a fan of wearables for some time. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of work with digital health technologies, in particular wearables, for a while. I'll give you a concrete example. I mentioned the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic, we launched a study called Detect um, with many partners, Care Evolution, Fitbit, others, at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was based on research done out of our group looking at deviations from personal baselines um, that are captured on the wearable devices. So, for instance, your personalized resting heart rate. Some people don't know this, but a normal range of resting heart rate can be anywhere between 50 beats per minute and 100 beats per minute. But your resting heart rate usually doesn't deviate outside of three beats per minute unless something's going on. One of those things is you could be getting sick. And so what the group at Scripps 
recognized um, first before the pandemic is that you can look at detecting flu outbreaks across the country by studying large data sets of wearable devices and seeing where populations have a large number of people deviating from that personal um, baseline. And so we did the same thing in Detect um, for the COVID pandemic. We could see both at a population level as well as an individual level when people might be getting sick. Um, and that's all just using you know, passively collected data that you might already be collecting via your Fitbit, your Aura Ring, your Apple Watch, um, whatever you're tracking your, your health data on. So I think it's really cool because of that kind of Passive. You don't have to ask somebody to input information every single day. You just have to ask them for access for for their data, and it's it's being you know used widely now. We've actually, I guess, it wouldn't technically be a wearable, but we have recently had a guest on one of our other shows uh, called Kasana, that okay. they have the uh, able to take your vital signs from a toilet seat. Oh yeah, <laughs> without a screen, and mm -hmm. their big thing was. Uh, yeah, I think it's also why you're seeing like companies like Whoop and, and, and some of those that don't have the screen, they're starting to really uh, make an impact because they were also saying there's something about not having the screen for that information. Yeah. But as you're saying, be able to track the information that you that you need. And that is super helpful for, for clinicians and everyone involved. Um, so it was really interesting uh, talking with their uh, I was just at health and we talked with their yeah. founding team and um but it's even interesting to see, I guess, technically, it's almost like a wearable, right? Similar thing, mm -hmm. like it, it pulls your, your information. But I'm really excited when you see like the, the eight sleeps and all these different types of devices that aren't technically wearables, but are giving you that wearable data and, and how we're going to yeah. be able to use that information moving forward. Yeah, the more data that we can collect out in the real world, I mean, sleep is a perfect example, because before, if you compare old sleep studies, you go into a lab, you're hooked up to all of these things, like it's the furthest thing from a natural environment. Um, so now, you know, with, you know, the smart beds, the smart rings, the smart watches, you can start to collect these things and really get a much deeper, um, deeper understanding of how sleep is impacting our health. One of the studies that we have running, again, with Scripps and with Caravolution through the trial center is looking at how sleep might affect um, cognitive decline um, in women over 50. So there, there's lots of things that are tied back um, both on the mental health side as, as well as physical health on, on sleep research. And I think we're just scratching the surface on what we're going to see um, in terms of research around sleep over the next few years. Have, have, you, have, uh, have you had much data around that study yet? Not yet. That one's just launching. Um, so our sleep and cognitive platform is one of our newer platforms that we launched. Um, but we, um, with surprisingly little effort, we've had hundreds of people find the, the Refresh as sleep platform and start to contribute their data, which is really exciting. I think a lot of people are really interested in contributing to sleep uh, medicine and sleep science. So what's the best way if someone did want to contribute to what you're working on? Yeah, we have several um, ongoing studies. One is Refresh, and you can find it on the Scripps Research Digital Trials Center um, website. Um, and um, yeah, we've, we've got another one on maternal health. Uh, we're, we're big advocates of advancing women's health. There was an announcement out yesterday from the White House on uh, the White House also um, trying to you know advance uh, women's research, which we got really excited about. 
And then we have ongoing stuff. Detect is still um, uh, enrolling people. Um, you know, a couple of years into the pandemic, we've been um, partnering with our participants for many years on, on research on infectious disease. That's super interesting. And I'm so glad you're giving people those opportunities to contribute. I was in between two thoughts when I was about to ask you another question, and I'm going to kick over to my, my next question um, because I, I want to make sure we have time for it as well. Uh, we, we were talking a little bit about uh, EHRs as one of the things we wanted to, to dig into more. So talk me through patient-mediated EHRs yeah. and the status of those. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting topic, and it's one of those topics that brought me to CareVolution in the first place. One of the struggles we were having for the All of Us research program when we were running that is, how do you capture health records on people when you're not partnering with their specific health system? And so CareVolution is really one of the leaders in utilizing patient-mediated EHR via smart on Fireflow. So if you have ever encountered Apple Health Records, um, it's the same flow. You go into Apple and you go through in a privacy-preserving manner. You can put in your password, um, your portal username, your password, and you can gain access to your health records or multiple health records if you have health records from many um, health organizations like a lot of us do. We use it for a lot of our clinical research. And so we do a lot of direct to participant. We do some, you know, with health systems, but we want anyone anywhere to be able to contribute to research. And one of the things that we do for our programs that CareVolution, um, the platform, the My Data Helps platform enables, is also that we give access to all of the data that we collect for a research study, which means if you go in and you contribute your health records to one of the research studies that we're running on the My Data Helps platform, not only can you do that for multiple health systems across the country, about 80% of health systems right now are connected, you actually get a data visualization back um, of all of your health records. So it's useful for you to track your trends, your medications, all of that. It's also very transparent, so you know what you're sharing with your research team. A lot of the traditional models, it's like you sign a HIPAA waiver and no idea what's in there or what you're sharing. This is very transparent, so you get that and you get some value add from utilizing um, this process. And I think that's that's really cool because anybody who's tried to get their health records in the past might have come into some very uh, uh, you know challenging times as you try and gather those records. It must be so fun for you to be able to kind of work on these all these different areas of healthcare and, and get to be super up to date on all the latest trends and what's working, what's not working. What what's next amongst everything that you're working on that you can share today that really excites you? You know, I was just thinking about this the other day, so it's good timing. Um, there's obviously. AI is a big thing, both in terms of the multimodal data um, you know, analysis and what we're finding within large data sets, but also AI is just kind of cool in terms of how quickly can I create customized content for, for people? How can I you know, quickly translate it into other um, languages for accessibility? Um, so that piece is cool. Another piece is what we're seeing across the industry led by, um, you know, programs like the All of Us Research Program, but also big pharma companies like Pfizer, is this return of information to participants. So we're seeing this industry uh, industry trend that's really changing over the last couple of years, whereas before it was a paternalistic, you don't get to access your own data. Now we're seeing that shift. 
And we're getting to do it in real time for some of our studies, which is super cool. You get to see, um, you know, like continuous glucose monitoring as, you know, in response to um, macronutritional information and seeing this overlay of data. So we're seeing some exciting trends in that area. Um, a couple others is, is really that patient mediated access. So being able to say, hey, I'm collecting information on my Fitbit and I've got my access to my health records. How can I start to access these data for myself and share those things with research? So I think those are those are some of the trends that I'm super excited about that I hope stick around um, for the years to come. Well, uh, Katie, I've really enjoyed having you on and, and chatting a bit. And just to let everyone know, right, this is your first episode on with us. So we're going to have you come on, back on in the near future. And we'll get on, get you on a panel and we'll dig deeper on some of these topics. But Perfect. great first episode. It was awesome having you on and excited to continue the conversation. Well, thanks so much for having me. Loved being here. Thank <laughs> you.